millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So often, Jim, our politics are dominated by personal insults, name-calling, and dogma. We really can do better than this. Says you, you left-wing <laughs> extremist. <laughs> now, really, this has been such a big theme of the show. This partisan divide is something that, since we started the show, everyone's gotten more concerned about. And we're seeing some glimmers of hope. Restoring Civility with John Gable and Joan Blades. There is a great quote from Michael Douglas in that movie, The American Presidency. Citizenship in America, it's advanced citizenship. You have to believe in it so much that you would support somebody to speak freely, even if what they are saying is something you'd spend an entire lifetime fighting. One of the key problems I've seen is that we've become increasingly divided. We don't even share the same facts. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How, how do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? So Jim, I don't know if you're with me on this, but I believe the problem is us. It is so easy to blame Donald Trump. He certainly shares a lot of it. And the media and other politicians, but unless we act, unless voters get involved, then, hey, we're just going to have more of this. As we record our show, the something called the National Week of Conversation is about to begin. It's going to run from Friday, April 20th through April 28th. It involves more than 100 groups across the country that are trying to encourage civil discourse, and they're setting up all kinds of events, both in the real world and also online to get people together, people who don't necessarily agree to start these conversations. And this is really interesting, Jim. The hashtag they use is listen first. So clearly a clue about how to go about bridging the divide. Today we're going to hear from two guests that have been on the show before. First, John Gable, and then Joan Blades of Living Room Conversations. In recent years, both have been leading voices in the push to revive civility. John joins us via Skype from San Francisco. Welcome. Hello, guys. How you doing? Pretty good. So first, tell us about this big event, the National Week of Conversation. Well, the nation really needs an opportunity to have conversations um, that are based on listening to each other and bringing people from different sides of the spectrum together. And so this week is actually has like over 100 organizations involved, 100 events around the nation, and, and far more individual conversations. 
And it's it's really been extraordinary how many people just come out of the woodwork excited to make this happen. So people talk to each other all the time. But when you say a National Week of Conversation, you have a different kind of conversation in mind. What What is it? Well, one key principle is listening first and listen first to understand the other. So, so much of the Internet and online communication, that's kind of what I'm about, um, starting with, with Netscape way back when. But the way that that conversation has and information flow has evolved online has been very one-sided or very tribal. And what happens when you only talk to people just like yourself, and when we do that, and we only get information that confirms what we already think, two things happen. Um, one is we become much more extreme in our beliefs. And two, we become much less tolerant of anyone else who thinks differently or is different than we are. But we as a human race, we know how to listen to each other. As human beings, we are social beings. We know how to do this. We just need the opportunity to do it and a little guidance, a little structure. John, you, you mentioned your work with Netscape. Let's go back and look at what's changed over the past 25 years. You were a project ma manager at Netscape Navigator back in the 90s, and that was a, a very popular early browser. It may have been the first major browser I used. Um, what was the hope then? about what the internet would do to our information flow and our views of the world. Within Netscape, we were really motivated by this idea. That when you're connected to all these different people around the world and all this great information around the world, that the best ideas, the best people would come together, that we'd be able to have better information, make better decisions, that we would not just tolerate one another, but truly appreciate each other for all our unique diversity and strengths. And when it comes to things like how to build a web server or even things like finding breast cancer, that's what has happened. The best minds, the best informations come together. But when it comes to other things, it's the opposite. In a recent TED Talk with Joan Blades, you describe what happened to information flow. There's just too much noise, too many people, too many ideas. So we use technology to filter it out a little bit. You can hear more from that talk, Free Yourself from Filter Bubbles, by going to TED Talks. Really interesting conversation that you have with Joan Blades. What are some of the topics that are going to be raised during the National Week of Conversation? We actually give our users a lot of flexibilities. They can talk about pretty much anything they like. We give it extra materials around topics like free speech, jobs in the economy, race, um, immigration, but we give people flexibility. The main thing is to learn how to talk with the other and how to not just talk with them, but listen to them and appreciate and understand. Are, them are these mostly levels. online conversations? It's actually a big mix of different groups from libraries and schools to nonprofits, um, to a lot of faith communities. But we also have a lot happening online. We have living room conversations, hosting conversations about free speech and faith and politics. And then we have mismatch which we're doing, which actually you sign up for. And we actually match you with your opposite, essentially, in another part of the country with a different political point of Ooh, view. That'll, that'll, be, that'll be dangerous. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just like what you all do every day. <laughs> but we've done this in the past. We did this the last year. And of the 100 participants, 92% of the people, after just one conversation, said they better understood the other person or better understood the other perspective. Give us an example of how this would work. Okay, let's say, for instance, um, I wanted to have a conversation or learn from somebody who opposed gun control. 
Personally, I'm in, very much in favor of gun control. I'd like to talk to somebody and ask them, okay, uh, what are your reasons for being opposed to, to gun control? How, do, how does this work? It's actually really cool um, that what you described is a perfect example because we've seen that happening. So if you seek first to listen and understand not just what they're intellectually saying, but where they're coming as a human being, amazing things happen. In that particular case, um, I mean, I, I actually have a friend of mine who's alive today because she used a gun to protect her and her mom from a violent man that they knew. And those kinds of experiences are emotional and deeply felt and may change somebody's perspective. Okay, gun control, we're interested in that, but you know what? There may be, I can begin to appreciate the other person. You find commonalities, not just in spirit and in goal, but things you can do that you both agree with that'll make the world a better place. You just summed up the mission of how do we fix it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So, you know, one thing we're seeing so much in the public discourse today is a kind of a punitive spirit against people that, that, we don't agree with or some don't agree with. And then the idea that if they're wrong, their ideas are dangerous, harmful, maybe even violent. Therefore, they shouldn't be allowed to talk at all. On college campuses, they call it no platforming. You know, don't let the speaker have a platform. They don't deserve to speak these terrible ideas. You're going in exactly the opposite direction. Absolutely. It's interesting. Um, at allsides.com, we, we present all perspectives, including the perspective that says you should not listen to all perspectives. <laughs> you should censor some of them. Um, there is a great quote from Michael Douglas in that movie, The American Presidency with Annette Benning, if you mm-hmm. all remember that movie. But he, he describes at one point that citizenship in America, it's advanced citizenship, that you have to believe in it so much that you would support somebody to speak freely, even if what they are saying is something you'd spend an entire lifetime fighting, that that is what America is about. Is there somebody out there, John, that you think in the public sphere represents the spirit of listening? There are many people who've tried this in different ways. In some places you might not expect. Um, Newt Gingrich and Van Jones actually did Crossfire television show years ago. And the idea was to show the different points of view in the debate. And occasionally they would agree with each other. And their producers said, stop doing that. <laughs> um, that, doesn't, that doesn't help our ratings. That doesn't help us get more coverage. And that's kind of the thing that so many people are running into. There are a lot of people in Congress, in politics, um, that try to reach out and they're slapped and down in one way or the other. Because it's not as good way to um, deliver their base, to get votes, to make money. And um, so part of what we must do is deliver a system that rewards better behavior. Because human beings feel left out. They're finding that a like on Facebook is not emotionally rewarding enough for fulfilling life. So there is a recent quite well-known example on social media of someone changing a person's mind through civility. This involved the comedian Sarah Silverman, who actually was the target of a really nasty tweet. And then she reached out to the person. Yeah, and there was a series back and forth where she basically, instead of getting sarcastic or angry, which she had every right to do, she expressed sympathy. And over the course of a Twitter conversation, the guy came around, apologized, and she kind of, not only did she 
turn him around, but I think she created a lovely example of it's kind of a turning the other cheek. Are, are you seeing things like that happening across the, the public sphere, John? I, I love the example because it, we, we do see it in frequently in smaller groups. It doesn't always have to be in front of TV cameras or in the spotlight. We, a lot of people want to see the world change a little bit, and it's very easy to get caught up in the emotion and the outrage. But if we really want to change the way things happen, Sarah Silverman is a good example. I have this sense, John, that you and, and us, that we're part of a growing movement, a, a growing movement that's pretty splintered in the sense that there are tons of different groups involved and no one kind of tribe or, or party that's driving this, but still that there's something going on here. There is something going on that's kind of extraordinary. And um, it's actually been strengthened in an odd way by the last presidential election. Because as a result of the last presidential election, people understood more broadly that we really aren't hearing each other. That there really is a problem of people in certain parts of the country being completely ignored or suffering. And also the problems with very divisive language, whether it's the deplorables or Donald Trump's latest tweet. Some people talk about it as a Sputnik moment. It's bringing national attention to the problem. And that has actually energized what has become a movement. Movements, if you study them, they always start at the stage we're in, where you have a whole bunch of different individuals and groups all around doing something to solve the problem independently, not aware of each other. And the next stage is they start becoming aware of each other. And then they start collaborating, and then leaders emerge, and then more people become aware, and it's a, a natural progression. And, and so you think that we're in that second stage now? Yes, I think we're at the beginning of that second stage, where we're just now realizing that I'm not the only one who's concerned about this, but so many other people are. John, there's a word that keeps coming up in everything I see about the uh, National Week of Conversation, and that's civility. Why is it important? You know, it's interesting. There, there is a need for a democratic republic for its citizens to know how to listen to one another. And that does require a certain civil, civic engagement and civility um, of listening as opposed to just a broadcast, like Twitter is a broadcast. Um, it's not really a listening platform. But what are the cons to civility? What's the, what's the downside? So if you enforce civility and you say it's absolutely wrong and evil to say that, let's say, for example, the educational system, the teachers union is somehow making things worse for underprivileged, particularly people of color as opposed to better. Some people say that that's an uncivil point of view. That's awful. That's terrible. You must hate teachers. Therefore, we must cut you off. And so there is a need to have unfettered conversation because people are going to draw that line at different places. But I think what we can do is be civil listeners and then show by example the ability to speak empathetically in a civil way so that other people can hear us. And that's what's more effective. Essentially, people do what's rewarded. Right now, the way that media 
And online conversation works. It's kind of like a big football stadium where there's a nudist on the 50-yard line yelling obscenities. And that's the only thing that we're noticing. And we need to replace that with small groups of people who can listen to one another and understand each other. And um, that's what civility can be about. But it also has to be diverse groups and smaller groups and then sharing that more broadly. These are all great arguments. John Gable, thanks very much. Thanks. I like being with you all. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Mays. <laughs> so you're going to do it again? Yeah. <laughs> I was, a little, yeah, I was, was a little asleep with the switch there. <laughs> It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard I'm Jim Meggs. That's much better. So much better. And we've just been talking to John Gable. Let's bring in Joan Blades. And we did a couple of How Do We Fix It? episodes on living room conversations. Joan founded this group aimed at bringing people of different opinions together face-to-face in their living rooms, if you will. And, and we asked Joan, what's wrong with politics now? One of the key problems I've seen is that we've become increasingly divided. We don't even share the same facts. And years ago, I was part of a group called Reuniting America. And one of the things I was curious about at the time, and this is 2005, is why aren't conservatives concerned about climate change? I was able to have some really great conversations, and I became good friends with some of the leadership of the Christian coalition. And and you were telling me that you learned something from them. We all want a good future for our children and the world. And we were able to have a really interesting, curious conversation. And I realized about uh, six years ago, that conversation could no longer have happened. And that's a problem. We need to, to be able to have everyone's best ideas and be able to work together to solve complex problems. So you're saying the problem has gotten worse since you've been part of this? I believe it has. And the data shows that people have self-selected into 
increasingly more homogenous groups that they're with people that agree with them. And our media has become self-selected and in many cases unaware of that selection that if you're a conservative, you're going to be getting conservative news. And if you're a progressive, <laughs> you'll be getting progressive. One of my friends, John Gable, founded an organization called All Sides, which offers news from left, right, and center, side by side of the exact same occurrence. And you read it and it's, ooh, we are living in different worlds. Joan Blades on Living Room Conversations and how we can learn from others who don't see the world the way we do. And we have links on our show page website to Living Room Conversations, All Sides, uh, the National Day of Conversation, and more. I love what John said about how people do what's rewarded. You know, we've been coming out of these Zuckerberg hearings and all thinking about social media and what we've really developed in our social media platforms is a system for rewarding the kinds of comments and ideas that are likely to get shared, and they're likely to be things that provoke a certain kind of anger, a solidarity with our side, a dislike of the other side. You know, a positive comment or a comment that says, hmm, let's think about this, that's not going to get shared. So we've, we've enhanced, we've, we've weaponized these filter bubbles and, and this has been going on for a long time. I spent a career in commercial radio. Right. And there were a number of attempts to launch independent talk shows or even moderately liberal talk shows on uh, commercial radio that completely failed. And what they found, what media executives found that actually worked was Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity. Right. It is, to a considerable extent, true that we don't like to think about things that make us feel in any way uncomfortable and yeah we're wired that way but fortunately this problem has gotten so bad as john said that people are noticing it there's a hunger for civility what both joan blades and john gable are are talking about is a style of communication that doesn't mean you neuter your opinions and it doesn't mean you not, it doesn't even mean you don't get angry once in a while. I would see it almost like a it's a form of civility, but I would think of it as kind of a big tent civility. I would just love to have a conversation with with someone for instance who didn't agree with me on on climate change or a whole range of different things. That's why they both talk about certain skills. It's a skill to listen to an opinion you really disagree with and sit back and process it for a minute. But I think ultimately, even if you never change your mind, you're going to be better at, at debunking. If that idea is false, you're going to be better at debunking it if you understand it. And once again, a reminder that the National Week of Conversation is on from April 20th to April 28th. And if you're listening to this show um, after the National Week of Conversation already happened. Don't worry. It's, it's, we've not just gone to silence. There are a lot of groups involved in promoting this effort, and we have links to some of them on our website. And you can also just Google National Day of Conversation or civility or discourse or dialogue, and all kinds of things pop up really quickly. 
And what John was describing was, you know, there are all these groups moving in the same direction. Now they're becoming aware of each other. It's almost like uh, there's an idea uh, in politics called a preference cascade, where a lot of people are thinking the same thing, but no one's really talking about it. Then all of a sudden, they all realize that a lot of other people agree with them. Maybe we're seeing a preference cascade against all this partisanship and animosity and for a little more civility and search for common ground. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. Thanks for joining us. Our producer is Miranda Schaefer. The music is by Lou Stravinsky. We are a production of Davies Content. Please check out our website if you're interested in making a podcast at DaviesContent.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.